סבבה. We here in the... safe room. safe room. And there is like kind of crispy echo. Do you hear it? You hear the vibe? Kind of, yeah. Actually, yeah, I hear it a lot more now that okay. you mention it. Mm. So each one of us, like I've been like on kind of like crazy road trip for three days. And we did this like um, memo voice or voice memo. <laughs> What's the correct term? Voice memo. But uh, we decided to record an episode and just like um, summarize everything that happened to each of us. And because the dynamic here between us, this is like the fuel of the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. I love you, man. It's mutual. This is the update for Saturday, October 14th and Sunday, October 15th. Uh, Jonathan Gal here. I am recording now from my studio in Binyamina, central northern Israel. I, I've had a little bit of more ability to get out of the house and go into the studio. Hopefully the rest of these updates will be with better sound from the studio. I'm also going to try and write stuff down and not just uh, improvise. That's what uh, the plan is moving forward. Saturday and Sunday, we're giving updates on the number of, of dead. There are about uh, 1,300 dead Israelis, thousands wounded, and the authorities are saying probably around 200 or more than 200 people kidnapped into Gaza. And when we say 1,300 dead, that's uh, soldiers and policemen, but also hundreds and hundreds of innocent people, unarmed people dancing at a music festival, kids, babies, elderly in the kibbutzim, unarmed civilians just caught and slaughtered in their houses. When we say kidnapped, we're talking about uh, children, women, brutally taken, raped, kept in uh, inhuman conditions, probably presumed dead, we don't know. Kidnapped is, uh, is just that, children taken, underground, never heard from again, hundreds of them. At this point, let's say about the other side, I've decided not to give updates on the number of uh, casualties on the, on the on Gaza side of this. I, I'm, I'm not an um, impartial uh, correspondent. There's really no way for me to give you a balanced update. So I, I would rather not, even out of uh, respect, if you want to know about what's going on on the other side, there are plenty of places where you can get updated on that. Frankly, I am too scared and hurt and angry and traumatized. There's really no room in my brain to process and give you updates about the other side. Uh, we're a week into this thing. Uh, kids uh, over here, no school. People are running to shelters every, every few minutes, every few hours. Still rockets coming out of Gaza. Israelis are on edge everywhere. Uh, the feeling that um, if you're close to any of the borders, you're going to get rocket fires. If you're in the center of the country, you're getting uh, sporadic rocket fire. If you live anywhere nearby, you're 
Arab uh, neighbors, even within Israel, you're scared and you're you're hurting and you're trying to uh, watch out for everything and guard your community. It's a war zone for everyone and everyone is part of the war. The, the war itself, meanwhile, is not really moving uh, anywhere. IDF is, is bombing Gaza. There is talk of ground movement, of invasion, to take down Hamas, which is the, the consensus now, to try and bring back the, the kidnapped children, women, innocent people, without much hope, I should say. This, this ground operation is still not happening. The, the media is full of um, discussion around that. The world uh, has decided that it's not a good idea. Israel has decided it is a good idea. The, um, everyone is scared because we know that once we go in there, Hamas is hiding in tunnels. There'll be a lot more violence, a lot more dead. On the other hand, if this thing has any end, that's the only end it has, is Hamas uh, coming down. I want to give focus to three media uh, stories that I think people listening to this should take a look at. The first is check out um, Brett Stevens' opinion column for the New York Times. The New York Times, if you open the app, uh, it's quite, I would say it's quite pro-Palestinian. The, a week into this, the, most of the headlines you're getting at the New York Times are about the conditions in Gaza and the dead in Gaza. It's like, you know, 260 people, innocent people slaughtered at a music festival. That's last week's news. They're, they don't want to cover that. Children kidnapped into Gaza. Mm, not interesting. Uh, Brett Stevens is a, a token uh, sort of a conservative or token, I guess, right wing columnist at the New York Times. Uh, he wrote a very good column saying with the, with the headline that um, uh, Hamas bears the blame for every death in this war. And I think it's a little bit ironic that uh, the really the only person worth reading in the New York Times is their token right-wing uh, writer. Uh, everyone else giving opinions uh, has like this kind of Disney uh, morality a uh, very simplistic uh, view that really has no bearing and no connection to the reality that's happening in the field. The second media story that I think needs to be noticed is the cover of the biggest daily newspaper here, Yediot Achaonot. Uh, not many people read hard print journalism, but it, it is very, it's still very influential. The cover of Yediot on Sunday, October 15th, was just pictures of I think around 50 children from the ages of a few months to 16 and 17 years old. These are children that we believe were taken alive, kidnapped into Gaza. Their parents sometimes uh, are with them. Sometimes their parents were murdered. Sometimes their parents are in Israel. And you, it's hard to imagine their life right now. We don't know what happened to these kids. Were they killed on the way? Are they dead now? Are they kept in cages? Uh, we have no idea. Um, it's a very, very powerful cover. The third story is interesting about relations between Israel and Israelis, Jews and Arabs in this region moving forward. Uh, an owner of a bicycle shop in Taipei, an Arab village, the Israeli Arab village, so part of Israeli territory, the citizens of 
of uh, Taibe are uh, Israeli citizens. They work where we work. They shop where we shop. This gentleman uh, offered to send free bicycles to people uh, from the south, uh, you know, fleeing their, their families stuck away from their home, just scared, um, staying in other places nearby. And he kindly offered them bicycles so the kids will have just something to do in these days. There's no school. They have no home. His neighbors uh, promptly burned down his shop, which shows you a little bit about the sentiments of um, the Arab communities here in Israel. It'll be very, very difficult for us as a society to uh, patch things up. I don't know what life will look like moving forward. I will stop the, uh, here and give you the next update tomorrow. Okay, who wants to start? I think you should start. I should start. Okay, I will take a sip for my beer. Should we, should we say which beer company? Maybe they'll sponsor us. <laughs> totally. San Miguel. Soft, smooth, and um, you feel less poor when you drink it. Less poor. Less poor. Less poor. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so I've been on a road trip. Three hours and a half away from Tel Aviv, really near Elat, border with Egypt and Jordan. In this little community I talked about before, the episode before, Samar. The hippiest, lovable, peace and love, rock and roll place in Israel, period. So, the funeral was very... Um, exciting I don't know if you can say it about funeral but I, like it was really moving maybe there was a lot of emotion there was there was a lot of emotion but it also was like really unique I, I've been in I've been in some funeral which was like I don't know like I guess regular and this one imagine like the amazing view of the desert there is like a big mountain down, down Le Margelot, down to the hill. Like almost where it's a valley? Almost. Like the base of the mountain, Yes. Yes. I'm not really good at like geological terminology. So, the funeral. Bottom of the mountain, this old tree, it's called in Hebrew, Etz Shita, spreading um, and do like a shade of the grave and like sunset, I don't know, maybe like, 300 people and friends of mine, which I know from age 18, that like doing a lot, like smoke a lot of weed with me in the living room, in the like a little caravan over there. 15 years later, standing there with weapons and uniform and they like guard their own community. And the funeral was like, very sad, but also with a lot of like, I don't know, the, the speech was, his mother, she's crying, but she, the, the story was with a lot of like joy and grace. And, and she told about how, how do you say Shoval? Oh, he was like a little troublemaker kid. Like he was like a little wild and like would run yeah. around and stuff. 
and she 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 give like a funny story about that he called her from airport and says like mother um i missed the flight i don't have any money at all i need help and she when, like, the, where was he like coming back to israel coming leaving? back she gave a lot of example and the, the the audience like laugh like people cry but also laugh and i think the vision the image of the person was like a reflect for from this event it was I don't know it was iconic in a way they, they, they play there like not said music they play like they, they literally play music and dance during the funeral um something you know how do you describe musica mizrahi there's like Zohar Gov which is kind of like the Israeli version of James Brown but like slowed down like without like the tempo it's like na, na, na. it almost sounds like crying sometimes like yeah. to, to my ears but you know songs of like heartbreak and you know the flower in my garden and so just picture these people cry dance laugh and everything happened in like the most remote way place in Israel and all all those hippie suddenly became in like a war zone and and there is like tension people with weapons and like they're ready to something horrible to happen the most sad thing about this funeral for me is is no matter how far you take your children here no matter like which like diversity open-minded community you you decided to to live by the end your Israeli identity will like hunt you everywhere that's it like there's nothing you can do like there is no place to hide anywhere here and also Jewish. I mean, it's also Israeli, and there have been over 60, I think is the count now, Israeli Arabs that have been killed during this war. And there were those Thai migrant workers and the Indian migrant workers, and we're sheltering in place with now there are about 50 refugees on the block that rely on this safe room. There's also crimes against humanity happening and the deliberate targeting of Jews, but it's really important to forget that this is a complex situation. And Israelis include Muslims and Druze and Christians and they're you know, every, it's such a diverse country and we live in one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the country socioeconomically ethnically racially it's it's more diverse than some neighborhoods in Brooklyn you know I think people don't really get that they think that this is just about you know a bunch of Jews which even if it was I mean what the fuck does that mean right but yeah Sorry, you were, you were talking. I think now it's your turn. Like, I have another side story. But Tell us. To keep... To yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. The most craziest thing I noticed, because after this, I've been in another two really cool places in Israel, which if you ever come here and they not destroyed us, so you have... And there's another place in the Arava called um, Neotz Madar. So I've been there in like this beautiful lake. Um, 
and it felt like really weird to be traveling in a way during this horrible time. I feel really uncomfortable and wanted to go home all the time, even though it was like a wonderful vacation. So, and the other one was Mitzperamon, which I think it's like the coolest town in Israel. It's in the south. It's like on a cliff. And like an American girl that hitchhiked with, uh, with us, her name is uh, Shout Out for Sarah, she went out from the car and watched like the, the view from the cliff. And she is like, whoa, this is like Star Wars. And like picture everything um, anywhere where I've been. So I've been in these old places, meet some friends, saw the atmosphere. And the most like craziest fact I could point is some kind of the situation in a way normalized. Like, I mean, it's been a week and now people are like, this is reality. So they speak about, I don't know, their life, what they do. And from time to time, like you hear people telling like and really hardcore awful story about someone they knew or for example i meet in the in the in samar the first place i meet someone i didn't see for like 10 years i mean and then i saw him like with his child walking in uh, hand in hand and and i stopped and i said like oh and what's up man like a decade and we hug and and i asked like what's going on i i, I didn't see you here for ages and he's like yeah i've been I live near Gaza and tell me like, like a, a, a small talk, like a regular small talk. He tell me, yes, we've been in the safe room. And yeah, there was like, there was like terrorists inside our house. They shooting all over, like the burn stuff, all the jazz. And then like he, he keep wanted to tell me more. And then like his child said like, Abba, father, like, let, let's go. And he's like, okay, I will talk with you later. Good to see you. We hug and that's it. So something about the situation become like, this is a fucked up, normalized reality. Is You, you understand? It makes sense what they're trying to... It makes sense to me. I'm just worried that some of our listeners are going to like think that it's not as harrowing as it is. It's just we're all in a state of shock. You know, I was, we're launching what, tomorrow? And I'm thinking back to, you know, our first our first episodes in those first days. And it's so shocking that, you know, there's this, I don't know, there have been times where I, I, I'm almost nervous. And we talked about this a few episodes ago. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous that people will think that it's not as harrowing as it is because there's such a, um, there's such a harrowing minimization going on of the, the real, the real, I, I can't even. You can't even. I can't even, I can't believe we're here right now. I can't believe, I can't believe I studied law in New York at a school at the Yeshiva University Law School. Cardozo. And I was in the Holocaust restitution clinic and I was in the human rights and genocide clinic and I helped develop 
I helped develop modules that that were spread out to practitioners and people in justice ministries around the world about preventing mass atrocity crimes. And the founder of the clinic, may she rest in peace, Sherry Rosenberg. I just, I was crying the other day. I just, I, I, I could just feel like she was crying beyond, like in the grave. The amount of just denial in real time of, of these images, of this, of these crimes against humanity, these, these mass atrocity crimes that are unfolding in real time. It's, it's, it's a track jump. It's like one of those moments in life where I, you're never the same after that. And it's not new to me that, that, that people are really, um, that people really hate us. It's not new to me that we've been consistently dehumanized, that BDS is, I think, has a lot of blood on its hands. Me and a bunch of other people have been raising the flag and trying to warn for years. I don't know. I don't know how we're here right now, Dor. I don't know. I don't know. We need a tagline like Nike just do it. Oh, well, there's a few that have emerged. <laughs> I thought about like emotional punked news. Like punked in what sense? Because punk like sometimes... Punk, like, 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 uh, like music punk. Because punk, punk if I remember correctly, it was like early 2000s and there was that MTV show Punked or something. Yeah, with um, Kelso on some, the 70s show. Uh, what's his name? Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, something they would do like weird... I never liked that show, to be honest. Okay, so not punk. But I want like emotional, raw... Raw. Emotional, raw news. It's Emotionally not, raw coverage. Oh, you like that? Oh, because I, I don't want anyone to think we're being flippant about anything or that we're not. At one point, <laughs> it's amazing. You drove three and a half hours away. I finally mustered the courage to leave the house. This isn't my house. Um, I, I barely knew this family before we work on a project together. We're colleagues on an, a, an Israeli artist books archive. <laughs> Um, I remarked to Yair that, you know, they don't really know me and this is all getting really like, you know, intimate really fast. <laughs> and it's just kind of crazy that, you know, we met each other through a books archive and he said, there's nothing more intimate than a book, right? <laughs> Which is true. There's something really intimate about a book and, and being with a book. So I mustered up the courage to leave the house And I didn't go very far. I went on a walk with a, someone very close to me. We went to the community farm where I have a plot. And I had planted a bunch of vegetables and herbs on this eight meter plot at the farm um, on the morning of the Jewish New Year. And it was the first time I'd been there like a week and, and change and it's all blooming. I, I hadn't left. I hadn't seen flowers. I hadn't seen trees. I hadn't been outside in like five days. And then I took a cab and I went to see some other friends to be with that family because that day I was upstairs in a bed kind of 
away. I didn't want the kids to see me, but I, I had a breakdown. I was just shaking and I couldn't stop crying and I, I couldn't sleep. I was, I was, I burnt the candle out at both ends and I felt like every second counts. So I, I couldn't, I was on calls up to five in the morning and then with the West coast and then, you know, just anything I could do, anything I could do to connect people that could contribute to the cause. And I, and I broke down. And so I went to this other family who I really love. And, um, I had a, you know, a little bit of my friend was like, I'm opening the special bottle of wine. I feel like this is, this is the time to open it. So we drank a little bit of good white wine and uh, we watched a, a comedy with her daughter who I adore. And, you know, we were up. Then her, her brother, who's a good friend of mine, came by and we were up to like 5 a.m. And Can I stop you? Stop me, of course. I think... I'm going to wrap think, it up. <laughs> I think we need more coverage. Coverage of what? Sometimes like, I get really into details because like I bug out, but like... No, like coverage, like something which is more than our um, I'm trying to avoid experience. I'm trying like, to avoid it. Like 20%, 20% personal experience and 80% like collective. Here's what's going on. There's like ground invasions happening. And like, I have a paratrooper nephew and I, my, my female niece is one of, you know, the first tank female combat soldier units. And no, I, but it's still, but it's still, still, um, that's yeah, coverage you know what I mean that's like that. I, I no like, like tell me like big picture big picture what like what's going on with people America people now right now sitting I don't know in their hipster people are in, sitting in, in their armchairs and they're judging us for being somewhere we don't want to be right now and they're painting us as like bloodthirsty and they're equating they're, they're doing a false moral equivalence between Israel and Hamas as if we're not you know I, the IDF soldiers aren't like strategically like working harder and risking their lives more to like minimize loss of life on the other side. Like we're, we're not the same, you know, like I, I think that no one hates Palestinians more than Hamas apologists is what I realized this morning or what I, what I was able to, you know, put in one line. Explain more. People keep saying, you know, Hamas, they're like that. People living there in Gaza, they, they're not free to free themselves from Hamas. And that's been the situation. And the highest number of activists against the occupation lives here in Israel. People that are going and, and putting their bodies on the line to go and protest on the weekends. You know, I, when I first got here, I was dating an Israeli guy who, after he had served in the army, would go to these protests like 10, 15 years ago. And he was shot by a live bullet. Like he still limps. Like people are painting us as this like monolith or they're, you know, they're, there's the equivalent of proud boys here. Right. And they're like nutso ultra right wingers. And everyone's just equating us with that as if we're, has anyone equated all the Americans with QAnon? I mean, it's just obscene what's going on here. And then to be questioning the images that are coming out of burnt infant bodies or any of this stuff or, or these women brutally raped or grenades being found in bodies or pregnant women's bodies being sliced open. And my, 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 my mother's on the phone with me and she's like, I'm, I, I, I don't understand. Like, what did they do first? There's like four bodies in the room. Did they kill the kids in front of the parents or did they kill the parents in front of the kids? Because each of those are harrowing scenarios. And we're in this kind of, we're, we're in the, this isn't new. 
the jihadist threat and the, the, the extremism isn't new. It's been a concern. It's been, it's been, it's been there for decades, but this is the first time I feel like, like there's basically neo-Nazis parading around New York fucking city, New York fucking city, the city with the biggest Jewish population outside of Israel. Sorry, I'm so mixed up. I'm just no, no. Th- th- this, this you want kind more of, of this? This, this kind of. I can th- give you more of this. I think this I'll give kind you of, more of this. I you want? This- I'll give you more of this. The fucking. Where are the people behind me? To where is the support? Because the stuff that happened to women right now, and the stuff that happened to teenage girls and little girls. This is so much, and I'm sorry to make the comparison, but someone's got to fucking do it. This is so much worse. So where is the support? Where is it? I don't understand what we're talking about here. People that were calling for JK Rowling to be killed or to be murdered because she was expressing some opinions. And now they're what? They're, 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 they're advocating to, for Jewish bodies to be burned. You know, fucking Instagram and Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, how many more chances are you going to get? You were in front of Congress and they asked you about why you guys failed to moderate comments in Myanmar when the Rohingya Muslims were being ethnically cleansed. And you guys said it was because you didn't have moderators in real time that spoke the local language. Do you still not have local moderators speaking the languages? You don't have local moderators that can speak in English or in Hebrew or in Arabic. When you have an R&D center in Israel, you have bots that are automatically taking fucking nipples off of Instagram. I can't post a story that says something like dumb fucks or stupid fucks, but people can tell me that my day's going to come and Allah's going to meet me and they can rejoice about the burning and the gassing of Jews here. They can rejoice about all of it. And it's there. You know why it's there? I spoke to a media expert this week amongst many other people who have devoted their lives to trying to curb this shit. Because the bots recognize the nipples because the nipples are the threat, you understand? The nipples are the threat. So the bot can automatically get rid of the nipple and suspend your account, okay? But if someone writes whatever the fuck they want to write and I report the comment as I have, as many of my friends have, someone has to go through it. So maybe the system's flooded. But then I've been getting responses. So someone reviewed my request, right? And they're telling me, um, thank you so much for sending us your, um, your whatever. And, um, we reviewed it and, uh, we decided that it falls within community standards. What community standards? This is abhorrent. When the Rwanda genocide was unfolding, the radio, this was in the nineties. It was, you know, before social media and it was before all this stuff the radio played a really significant role in inciting violence. And even when the International Day of Terror was declared, they still aren't moderating the comments. Kim Kardashian, shout out to Kim for posting and posting in such a way that she blocked the comments. She was like, I'm just going to block the comments. Nobody's going to comment on this because people are going to keep inciting stuff. They're going to write stuff like good, good for the for, good for Israel. They deserve this. They have all this blood on that. Th- this is their responsibility. All that shit. You're not going to find it on Kim's post because she was like, I'm not having it. So 
where are the rest of the people following in line? Why are we here? Why is this even a discussion? Why is it the New York Times closing comments? If Instagram and Facebook can't be responsible, why aren't the media organizations taking a little bit of responsibility? Or are they loving this drama? They're loving this clickbait. They're loving how much money they're making off of this shit. They don't give a fuck about any of us here. They don't give a fuck about the Israelis. They don't give a fuck about the Palestinians. They want the moolah. They want the clicks. They want the festival of fear. They want the theater of war. They want the 24-7 coverage that started right after 9-11. They want the shock. They want the fear. They want all of that because they're making so much money off of this. I got more. You want more? Girl, you're on fire. I got more. I really love this Amy Warrior. Like your character is, is developing. Thank you. My middle name, my Hebrew name is Shani. And I want to I wanna dedicate part of this podcast to Shani, who is one of the many women who is brutally tortured, killed, raped, her body spat on. Hers was one of the first images coming out of Saturday's brutal massacre. Crimes that are still unfolding. Air raid sirens are still here. This is not over. We are still in this. And Shani... That beautiful, beautiful beauty, that creature of love and light who was at the festival. We are never, ever going to stop fighting to make sure that the world is a safer place for every woman and every girl. And to all of the fucking hypocrites who supported the Me Too movement that cannot stand behind and beside women like Shani, I am so sorry for you that you have begun to put not begun, that you are, that you are continuing to put narrative before humanity. And if this really is the end of days, and if this really is the end of time's war that many people think it is, then this is the time to love more, to love harder, to love each other more. I'm not going to let anyone take away my joy of life. And I'm never going to stop fighting to make the world a better place. And I was quiet for way too long. I let too many people tell me that I was nuts, that I didn't understand. And you know what? I'm happy. I'm grateful to all of you because I had to go through that isolation, that trauma, that insecurity, that silencing, because I am exactly where I needed to be all along. And I will never, ever be quiet again. Boom. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much to Amy Sapan my MVP for this episode. I know that I was um, speaking all over the place and stuff, but it was a uh, long story short about the past few days. I didn't travel that far, but I traveled really deep into, into really deep trauma and deep, 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 deep stuff from childhood even. And I am so grateful. Shout out to Yoav. Shout out to the people that are like really, really close to me right now and just supporting me blindly as we go through one of the most insane events of our lives and of history and who were just there with me during hours where I wanted to disappear. I was so mortified by how I, by breaking down, I was so mortified that at one point I, I ran into a closet in the basement of the house 
and I closed the door and I laid on the floor in the corner, balled up into a ball. And I covered my whole body with my t-shirt because I was scared that if someone came inside, they would see me. And I just wanted to disappear. And if you feel like you want to disappear, you feel like you're super scared, or you feel like embarrassed about how you're responding to this. Let me tell you that it is okay that you don't feel okay right now. It is okay to be messy. It is okay that you don't have it all figured out. It is okay that you're feeling everything all at once. Thank you also to Jonathan Gall, which is our daily recap reporter. Thank you to Shema Podcast Sound Creation for the digital distribution. Thank you too. And what's the name of the talented girl with the... Maya Schlesinger, I love you, baby. Maya Schlesinger? Schlesinger? An award-winning... Schlesinger? AI image creator who produced our, what's it called? Cover image? Yes. Yes. Thank you to Yair and Michal for hosting us in your safe house and for making this a really safe space for us. Awesome to all the neighborhood. Wow, it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. What a mitzvah. What what menches, truly. Okay. And, and thank you to you. Uh-uh. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dor. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better partner in love and light during these exceptionally dark times. Thank you for editing this. Thank you for being the person who started this and make sure that it happens. Thanks for being an incredible co-host and co-producer or sole producer. Am I a co-producer? I think you're the producer. I'm just a co-host. I don't know. Who am I? I know who you are and you're a fucking G, Door Comet. And I'm Amy Sapan. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And stay safe.